Let me just uh, ask you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, as we prepare to receive the Lord's Supper this morning, just want to remind us of a couple of things, you know, as, as, as children of God, and that's really what uh, Peter uh, has said that we are. Uh, and remember, Peter is an apostle, uh, which means he speaks with authority. Uh, Peter is uh, speaking uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so these are words that are not just for our consideration. Uh, these are words that we need to take to heart. And so as he urges us in these next couple of verses that we're going to read uh, to conduct our lives uh, as we should, uh, this is something that we need to really think about. Uh, so I hope that, that you will. Uh, First Peter chapter 2, we'll read in just a moment, verses 11 uh, and 12. Uh, prior to those two verses, Peter has reminded us that we are now God's people. Uh, and again, I want to just stop right there for a moment. We're God's people. Uh, that, is a, that is a deeply profound statement and a position to be in. Uh, and again, as God's people, Peter is going to share with us this morning that we are also beloved. We are God's beloved people. And as the beloved people of God, our lives should be lived in a manner that reflect who we are to the Lord, who we are in Christ. Uh, and again, our lives should be lived in a manner that is consistent uh, with Christ himself. Uh, Paul actually said, look, as he preached to his audience, he said, you imitate me as I imitate the Lord. We should, we should seek to live a life that is thoroughly Christ-like. Uh, and again, that's what Peter is urging us to uh, this morning. And what he's going to show us and what I want to bring out in these two, two verses, because Neil kind of, well, he read these last week and then went on and really focused his attention on the verses that follow. <clears throat> but Peter says that there are a couple of things that should characterize the life of every believer. Uh, first of all, there should be a restraint that is evident in our lives. As Christians, uh, we have been, again, called out of darkness into God's marvelous light. Uh, and so the lives that characterized us when we still lived in the darkness should no longer characterize us. The attitudes and the actions that were present there, all right, must now be restrained in our, our new life in Christ. So this idea of restraint will mark us as children of God, the beloved children of God. And then not only that, uh, but we can't stop there. We must go on and realize that not only restraint, but responsibility. There are things that we're no longer supposed to be a part of, that, that are no longer to be a part of our lives or to characterize our lives. But there are also new things that we should be a part of, that should characterize our lives. And so we see both of these outlined for us here uh, in 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. We'll read two verses, 11 and 12. And the scripture simply says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain, from the <clears throat> to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak evil, or when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day 
of visitation. Let me pray with you and we'll, we'll look at these verses together. Father, we are so thankful to be here this morning. I'm thankful for those who are, who are watching from home and I pray that in whatever uh, way they can, they will try to participate with us as we engage in the Lord's Supper here in just a few moments. But I, I, I'm, I'm just so thankful to be a part of the family of God, to be a a child of God. Uh, even, even John the Apostle stood uh, in amazement, astonished uh, at the manner of love, the, 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 the love that would prompt you to make us sons and daughters, Lord. Uh, it should never cease to, to, to bring uh, awe uh, into our thoughts, Lord, again, uh, that we would be... Uh, your children, Lord, adopted into your family. I, I pray that we would never lose sight of what a, what a uh, again, what a significant thing that is. And then, Lord, this whole idea that we are beloved of you, not just saved by you, not just forgiven, but beloved, Lord. We are the beloved children of God. You, you love us. You lavish your love upon us. Uh, you bless us in, in so many ways. Uh, and, and so we thank you. For it. And we pray, Father, today that uh, as we prepare to approach the, uh, the, the supper table of the Lord, that, that our lives, Lord, uh, would be lived in a manner consistent <clears throat> with who we are in Christ. And so, Father, we give you praise and thanks today for all that you are, and we ask you to bless us and encourage us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, let's begin with this idea of restraint. Uh, I think one of the very first things that we learn as Christians is that as believers, as, as children of God, uh, there are certain things that we are just not going to be a part of anymore. And especially for those of you who perhaps are like me that were saved at a later age, it's real easy for you to kind of spot or pinpoint some of those things, things that were a part of your life, things that you perhaps pursued, things that you really enjoyed being a part of, and, and now you know those things are, are, are to be left behind. Uh, forsaken. Uh, this whole idea of, of repentance uh, means leaving some things behind, uh, not just asking God to forgive me of behavior and then going back to it time and again, but, but asking God to forgive me of this behavior and determining never to go back to that, that, that place again. And, 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 and that's what this whole idea of restraint is talking about. Uh, Peter simply says it this way. He says, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain. He uses that word abstain from the passions of the flesh, all right, which wage war against your soul. And, and, and first, as, as Peter makes this, this uh, appeal to us and understand it as that, he is pleading with us, again, with all of the authority of an apostle of Jesus Christ, all right? He is, he is pleading with us. He knows that, that what he is, is, is urging us to do is not only important, uh, but it's, it, it is what brings true satisfaction and fulfillment in the Christian life. Uh, he reminds us, of course, as we've been reminded multiple times in this letter, uh, that this world is not our home. Again, here we are referred to as sojourners, exiles. Uh, again, the idea behind all of these words that Peter uses is that we are not permanent residents, all right, of this world. Uh, our home is with the Lord, uh, and, and this world is not our home. Uh, again, we are 
sojourners, pilgrims. We are exiles. We, we are not, well, we live in this world, but as Christians, we are no longer to live for this world. That's the idea here. And, and again, uh, a simple concept, but, but very, very difficult to, to, to live each and every day, living in this world, but not living for this world. Because the, the world, as you know, and, and Paul points this out uh, in his writings, the world is trying to, to press us into its mold. Uh, and, he, and he challenges us, encourages us, as, urges us, as Peter does here, don't be conformed to the image of the world. Don't be pressed into the world's mold. Don't think like the world. Don't act like the world. Don't participate in the things of this world. But rather, you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's, a, there's, a, there's another world that we're to be living for, uh, the kingdom of God. So, the word abstain, of course, is the, is the command here. Uh, that word means to stay away from. It means exactly what we think it means. It means to, to give these things up, to no longer participate in these activities, to no longer cultivate this type of attitude, but to forsake them, to, to, to turn away from them and to, to go away from them and toward something else. And of course, the, the thing that we're to turn away from, to, to stay away from, is the, the passion's of the flesh. And of course that phrase speaks of, of desires and the resulting deeds that are, that are contrary to the desires of God for our life. Uh, there's nothing wrong with having desires, but our desires should be in keeping with the desires of God. You know, one of the things that became perfectly clear to me when I became a Christian is that God has a, had a plan for my life all along that I just simply wasn't in tune with. Uh, and, and the desire of my heart since the moment God saved me has been to, to know that plan and to pursue it with all of my heart. And, and that's, I think, the de, that's the proper desire of a Christian. Uh, that's the desire that God puts within us when he saves us. Uh, we know that our lives were not what they should be and that God's plan for us is far superior and we, we pursue God's plan, God's will, God's desires for us, the desires that Peter is talking about here, the, uh, the, the passions of the flesh. And of course, it goes right along with our, our sermon series. Uh, uh, the word passions there could be translated unbridled. The unbridled desires of the flesh. Perhaps even the word wild, all right? Uh, we are no longer to live that unbridled, wild life giving in to the passions and desires of our sinful flesh, but rather we are to live for the Lord. Uh, the desires that Peter's talking about are evil desires. They're not edifying desires. Our, uh, God desires for us things that, are, that will build us up, that will encourage us, that will bring satisfaction and fulfillment to our lives. Uh, these are the desires that we should yield to rather than the passions, the desires of the of the flesh. Paul lists uh, these passions, or some of them, in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. And, and what's interesting about this list of, of, of evil passions is that Paul indicates that really no such list should be necessary. He, he uses the word evident. These things are evident. In other words, they're clear, I, 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 and, and he gives us a pretty long list, but it's not an exhaustive list. Uh, he, he actually closes the list out with the words, and, and things like this. Because we all know, we all know that there are just certain things that as Christians we should no longer participate in. 
There are certain things as Christians that we should no longer do. There are, there are certain aspects uh, of this world that we should no longer take part in and, and that we should not be known for. Uh, and that's the idea here. And then, of course, the, the, the behaviors uh, that Paul lists for us in Galatians. It, I'll just read them to you. It's a sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. In other words, the list goes on. This is not the end of such passions of the flesh. But you know what I'm talking about, he says. These are evident to us. He states in Ephesians 5.3 that such behavior must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. So as Christians, as children of God, as the beloved people of God, our lives should be characterized by a measure of restraint. We will no longer engage in certain behaviors and activities. We will restrain ourselves from thinking certain thoughts, contemplating certain things. That's what God has called us to. We're not to do these things. We're not to be known for this kind of behavior. Indulging in these desires is dangerous. Peter says they wage war against your soul. In other words, they don't result in the satisfaction and fulfillment that you're hoping for. Oh, they, they may bring pleasure momentarily. I mean, that's what the scripture says, right? Sin is pleasurable for a season, but short season. Ultimately, they, they cause pain, destruction. So our pursuit of godliness is first characterized by this restraint. We will no longer participate in these passions of the flesh. We'll no longer give in to them, this unbridled, uh, runaway passions that, that, that characterize our fallenness. Uh, we're rather going to go God's way. But, but let me just say this. Our pursuit of godliness doesn't end with this negative command. I think a lot of Christians, I mean, they get that. Uh, what was, you know, one of the first things I think I heard, little sayings in church, you know, about not, not living the life that you used to. I don't smoke, drink, or chew, or go with girls that do. <laughs> don't let your life simply be, be characterized as, as a Christian by the things that you no longer do. I don't go there anymore. I don't do that anymore. It's, it's not just the negative side. Though, though this restraint is, is critical because we do have passionate desires that wage war against our soul, we have to restrain ourselves, all right? Uh, be controlled by the Spirit. But that should not end what characterizes us. There's a positive side. That, that, that second verse that we're looking at this morning is the positive side of, of our lives as Christians. It, it speaks of our responsibility, all right? Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. So in other words, there's a way that you shouldn't behave, that you should abstain from, but there's also a way that you should behave. Uh, and, and both will be different from the way you behaved before you came to Christ. 
Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. This speaks positively of the responsibility that we have as Christians to live our lives in a manner that is consistent with Christ. The word keep there means to cling to or or preserve. It's really the opposite of abstain. Abstain means to push away, to to refuse. To keep means to to cling to it, to to preserve, to persevere in it. And speaks of the kind of behavior that we're to engage in, the kind of lifestyle that we're to be known by. People who observe your life should notice that you are different from most of the world. They should notice that. Your lifestyle, again, the things that you no longer participate in and the things that now you do participate in should distinguish you as someone who's not quite like everybody else. The word honorable there. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. And again, Peter is speaking of responsibility of our Christian witness in the world. You know people are watching us? And you know that one of the greatest arguments by many as to why they do not participate in church is because they don't see any difference in the way that Christians live and the way that they live. Church, they should see a difference. There should be a difference. So the Gentiles is representative of the lost world. Keep your conduct before the lost world honorable. And honorable is a word that speaks of that which is, it's really the word good. Keep your conduct good. And, and, and that word good can mean beautiful and, and often does in many scripture verses. It means beautiful. So our conduct before the lost world should be characterized as good or beautiful. We're to leave, lead lives that are characterized by behavior that is viewed as lovely, gracious, noble, honest, upright. That's the idea here. And again, it means we need to think about this. We need to think about the things that we engage in, the things that we refrain from, the way that we speak, the jokes that we tell, the comments that we make, everything. We need to think about it and live lives, determined to live lives that are honorable, good, beautiful, noble, gracious, lovely, Lives, And again, we're to do this not only because it pleases God, but because it brings glory to God. Isn't that what Peter says here? Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that on the day of visitation they glorify God. We are living lives before the whole world. And they should see us as those who are indeed the beloved people of God, determined to live in such a way to not only please our Heavenly Father, but bring honor and glory here to Him. Again, the implication is that the lost world will see our good works, our good lives, and will be drawn to Christ because of them. As a matter of fact, Neil's going to be preaching in the next uh, week or so on uh, the relationship of wives and their husbands. And one of the things that Peter teaches is that, that wives can win their lost husbands to Christ simply through their honorable behavior. And so the same thing is true for us. As we live honorable, good, beautiful lives, people will be drawn to Christ because of it. Now, Paul, of course, in Galatians 5, where we we read the list of passions of the flesh, he also lists these good deeds. 
And, and let me just say, they're more often known as the fruit of the Spirit. But let me, let me read them to you. Here's the things that should characterize our lives rather than that list we read before. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Are you known for these things? We should be. We should determine to be, even Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven.